Hello and welcome to the Billion Dollar Broker Podcast. My name is Ross LeCain. I'm bringing my 25 years industry experience together with leading experts around the globe to give you the insights on how to live a better life and grow a profitable mortgage broking business that you are proud of. Welcome to another edition of the Billion Dollar Broker Podcast. I'm Ross LeCain. Today, I've got a good friend and uh, someone I've known for many, many years. So I'd like to welcome Sean White. He's the Managing Director of Paramount Mortgages and a great guy, industry legend, been in the industry for about 28 years, worked with some of the biggest companies and that's how we met way back in the day for Wizard Home Loans. And I think, you know, we'll hear a little bit about the story, but you also worked for Aussie, who I worked with as well. And uh, now you head up a really- We've been around. Yeah, you head up mortgages. So, um, Sean, keen to unpack. Um, we've done some recent work in the the men's um, health week uh, a month or so ago, and I was keen, you know, getting to know and getting to work with you during that. I was keen to learn more about you because you know you've got a really good reputation in the industry and through us sort of reconnecting, I think there's a lot of value that you can provide to mortgage brokers. So, you know, just with your depth of experience and, you know, how well you are respected and, you know, even the relationships you build, there's just so much value that you can offer. But I guess before we get into that, let's sort of talk a little bit about your history and sort of how you got started into the mortgage industry and some of those companies that you worked with. So, yeah, tell us how you got started. Ross, thank you for that intro. I have three sons, and one thing I'm not called at home is a legend. Uh, it's I get called other things apart from that, but I appreciate that. Now tell me about, um, you know, how you started Paramount. Um, it just came to a point where I needed to do something for myself. You know, it's good sitting and getting a nice wage and that, but uh, are you ready, Sean? And I just sort of finished up. I don't know. I didn't really have the money because sometimes the best things come unplanned. Mm. And I just thought, you know, now's as good a time as any. I got a contract for two days consulting, mm. which covered my cash flow. Mm. And then the other three days, I just started working on Paramount. Actually, one other day I did a shift doing fish and chips for a mate. Today, anyway, I hustled and I did what I had to do to make sure I had enough money to cover my living expenses. And then I started building Paramount on the side. And my advice to anyone that's thinking about making the jump into self-employed, everyone tries to do it comfortably, make sure they got back up. But if you've got to drive an Uber at night, if you've got to stock shelves or whatever you've got to do to fuel the passion for your passion project, do it. Everyone wants to, you know, make it easy transition into breaking or whatever. Don't be afraid of doing the hard stuff. And I remember the first few months we started to write loans. And at the end of the week, after we paid our bills, there was $50 left over. And wish my partner and myself at the time, we shared one desk. We shared, he sat on that side, I sat on this side. And at the end of the week, once all the bills were paid, there was $50 or $100 left over, and that was gold. Knowing that you could go out, catch, kill, skin, eat, feed, and keep going again. And that was some really great days. 
What year did you start Paramount? Oh, God, 2001. So 20, um, you know, 22 years ago um, that you started. And then it started with you and just, was it just you or did you have a partner? And a business partner, Tony, yeah. who's a champion. And he I brought him out of the business about seven years ago. So we spent 15 years together. It's like a marriage. Yeah, yeah, definitely. I, I worked similar time with my brother, so I know all about that. Um, definitely, a, definitely a marriage. So, in terms of you know Paramount, so that's sort of you know you hustled, you got it started. When did it really start to kick some goals? When we got on an aggregator panel, the mm. first one was fast. Mark Harron really believed he's the CEO of uh, Connective now, but he believed in us. And then we started getting on other panels and it started to grow and we started to do deals. Yeah, definitely. And, you know, talk to me about, you know, you talked a little bit about, you know, back in the old home loans, that sort of fueled the fire where you sort of saw the opportunity that, you know, all these sort of deals were going unwritten. Um, yeah, so talk to me a bit more about, expand on that in terms of the whole philosophy about why you sort of got it started and what, yeah, what, what it means for you and what, why that's sort of been important, why that's been a passion project. Good question. I looked at all the brokers at Aussie and Wizard and they worked really hard and they'd go in and they'd go and work and sometimes they wouldn't make a cent because commission only can be a, a lonely, hard life. if. If it's not happening, you're going home and your wife's telling you, just get a normal job, go get a normal salary. And these guys, these people are trying to build a dream. They're chasing something. And some days you went unpaid for a big eight-hour day. And I looked at it and I thought, okay, I don't want to be out there in weeknights and weekends visiting. And so I thought, my model, I want to work Monday to Friday, nine to five, rather than going and dealing with clients if I set up a product menu that gives all these thousands and thousands of brokers a good option, they'll be able to go out, find the loans, find the customers, see them when they want to see them, send it to me. I'll put my fingerprint on it and send it. But I can't be the same as everyone else. Everyone's doing bank loans. So it took us months, sometimes years, to not to really settle down on a product menu but we did a lot of searching and we went and found money in places in Australia that I didn't know that much money existed. And we found um, funds, investors and lenders, individuals to family offices that did really specialise things. And over the years, because we've done volume, we've done over $4 billion in this period of business. And we value the human interaction of the relationship uh, because one thing that gets you, especially in this market at the moment where the economy is rehabilitating, there's less loans and more brokers. One currency I always believe in and I learnt from John Simon, one of the most valuable currencies you have is loyalty. Mm. And being in the people business, I'm always, always looking for where I can do a favour for whoever is in front of me. Where can I provide value? Where can I do a favour? I'm in the business of doing favours. And people 
the majority of humans will never forget. Mm. Some you get taken for granted, but that's okay. You don't do things for that minority. Even though sometimes the minority, their actions might hurt you, everything you do is for the majority. And the majority of people on the planet are good. Mm. There's only very small that do shitty things. And that's how we were born. Yeah, and so your role was, you know, obviously to find these unique funding sources. Um, so you started out, you didn't really know where you were going to get your money from, and it sounds like, you know, from individuals to to family groups to corporations. Um, and in terms of, you know, obviously you've got to do a balance, right? You've got to balance their needs with what obviously the market and the the brokers sort of want so you know what was the sort of skills you needed to be able to sort of do those deals and get those deals together thorough understanding of what investor lender wants and the balance of what the clients need you know one comment that you've made and i'm going to put it back on you is in a, a good broker or a good real estate agent in a tough market challenges and educates Mm. Those words sound for me. Definitely, yeah. Well, that's one of the seeds I've taken from you. But until I heard you verbalizing it, something we always did. And look, some of the guys that wanted us to distribute their money didn't have similar values to us. Mm. And we sometimes you've got to have the courage to say no and stick clear to your conviction. Don't worry about money because it comes later when you find out what your convictions are, what your values are, and that they won't be compromised. And you'll be tested. You could make 50 grand if you just lie and tick this box. Don't be tempted by revenue. Uh, this is a reputation game, and reputation is everything. And it outlasts long. In the long term, you'll write plenty of deals by not being afraid to say no. I think that's a great um, point, right? And I think, you know, we're, especially when we're looking at the um, sort of that non-conforming space, right? Because a lot of th people think, oh, you know, they're sort of, you know, they're lines for cowboys. They're, you know, um, in terms of, you know, it's the sort of self-declaration, you, you know, but I love what you're saying and the fact that, you know, they have a place, and but it comes with education and it comes with you know having that general need and knowing when to place a deal and when to say no. And so when you're educating brokers about you know when to sort of use you guys, what is some of the key sort of education that you get to so they can discern the business that they should say yes to and the business that they should say no to? It's mainly LVR based. But we deal in a really vulnerable market. Like today's market is classic. You know, you look at the last, we measure the value of the broker, mm. what their values are like. Because some of them say, I want to charge 2%. We say no. Mm. Some of them want to take advantage of the borrower's situation. And we are clear if these borrowers are disadvantaged and they're in a desperate situation, sometimes they're taken even more advantage of. Mm. And we will say no. Mm. Um, and I'd rather lose the loan. Mm. Not interested. You've got to measure the values and the motivation behind the broker. But I've got to say as well, lots 
and lots of brokers do the right thing and want to mm. and want to seek out the best solution for the client. And they're the ones we want to deal with. And I'll tell you, if you're watching this and you're a broker, the last seven years of our industry have been golden. Um, it's been people upgrading houses. Everyone could get cash. They were maxed up with borrowing capacity. There were so many borrowers wanting to borrow money. They went out and overpaid for properties, bought boats, pulled cash out to invest and buy, build their wealth with investments and renovate. All pleasant. But today, in the next 12 to 24 months, with the economy rehabilitating, most of the borrowings are wrapped in fear, stress and anxiety. And a lot of the borrowings for self-employed are survival-based. More so than ever, borrowers need you, the mortgage broker, and more so than ever are you now more in the people business where your clients need you more than ever. And you're going to be asked to do some activity, rate reviews, rate reductions, for no, no pay. But it'll come good for you later. Don't worry about doing activities where you don't make financial currency, keep building loyalty currency Love because that. there's less loans because the only activity that's in the market at the moment, purchase activity is down 60% and declining. The only loans are refining and they're churning from this bank to this bank to this bank. Everyone's under pressure to write volume that's reflective of the volume they've written in the last five years because everyone's used to making this money. Those brokers that take their clients for granted, because what kills businesses is neglect. Mm. What kills relationships is neglect and taking things of value for granted. Mm. Someone is working out a way to get to your existing client base now. Mm. So you've got to get on the front foot and be proactive with your communication and not take them for granted. I don't know if that answers the question. When I think it does. I think, you know, in terms of, um, you know, it may not answer the question that I said exactly, but it it wraps it up in a, uh, a value proposition that is, you know, a great lesson for the market in terms of what we do and in all conversations that we have, we need to put the customer and their loyalty and their you know, ongoing um, proposition before anything else that we do, right? So that means if um, we're going to put them into a deal, that deal needs to move them forward in their situation and not put them in a position where they're going to be under further stress and distress, right? So sometimes, um, and, you know, people under stress and distress can make silly decisions. Um, so it's understanding from your point of view, that's part of where this ability to say no is saying, well, what is a yes? What what are the, the situations that are going to move this person forward? You know, and, and understanding the pros and cons, you know, and we used to sort of do a lot of investment loans. And you know, it's sometimes you know, for them to get that next property, they might be, you know, half a percent or a percent out of the market. 
And so on a $500,000, you know, mortgage, that 1% is five grand. But, you know, if we look at the long-term scheme of things, property has gone up, you know, houses about 7% a year. So on that $500,000 property, that value of that property will go up 35 grand each and every year. So when we look at the overall structure, is that client going to be better off if we can get them an additional property, they have the ability to afford the repayments, yet the rate's slightly higher? The answer in that situation was hell yes, right? We're putting them in a better situation. So I think these are the types of questions that you know brokers have to ask. And you know, from your point, in terms of loyalty, you know, again, right now, not might not be the best option to refinance them. It may be better to keep them with their existing lender and do some work that we're not going to get paid for. Um, so, yeah, I guess from, from your point of view, in terms of your product suite, I guess it feels, you know, it, it sort of, you know, from my understanding, it sort of is a bit niche around, um you know, looking at options where people, you know, couldn't get money unless they sort of used your services. Is that right? Yeah, it's a lot of financial rehabilitation, very niche. And it's not, we know that. We're not someone that brokers deal with on a daily, weekly or monthly basis. Mm. And we like, you know, there's a broker we deal with. He specializes in pubs and hotels. He's a one-man band, niche. He writes 400 million a year, one man, niche. So some niches are good. Yeah. And in terms of, um, you know, give some other examples. You've obviously been around the the market for a long time. What are some of the, the niches that you see with you, you know, with some of the top brokers that you sort of associate and, and network with? What are some of the sort of common traits around that sort of niche that are profitable niches that you've seen in the market? Well, one, identifying, doing a bit of research to see, you know, what sort of volume is being done in this space, how many searching, how many brokers are in there? Because a lot of brokers uh, are, are very good at Resi. But if you were to use that as an example now, uh, Resi, if you just did Resi mortgages now, you're going to make less income. So what's now in this economy, what's going to grow? So you've got to move into commercial. Now, for years, every conference you go to, they talk about diversifying for the last five years. Why haven't residential brokers diversified? Because they haven't needed to. Why would I diversify if I've got hanging fruit just dropping? Well, that hanging fruit's gone. So where next? And another guy that does very well just does investment, investment properties, and he's a genius at that and makes a lot of income. Some specialise in construction because all their customers that they deal with are in the construction and they target larger loans, less loans, but bigger volumes. Yeah, love it. So... You know, there's all different sort of niches, as you've mentioned, you know, whether it's investment, whether it's commercial, um, you know, whether it's first home buyers, whether it's like a community-based, um, you know, niche. I know, uh, 
you know, one of my um, clients is, you know, of Indian background and he's got a whole Facebook group and gets a lot of business through the Indian um, community, right? So there's so many different niches and I guess you're a perfect example in terms of the Paramount where you've sort of said, all right, these are the, the types of clients that we want to help. And again, you might not be a, an every day, every week, every month uh, option, but you're, you're an option um, for, for those clients when it's right, when, when it suits. So, you know, another thing when we were chatting around doing this um, podcast, I asked you a couple of things in terms of what are some of the things that you do well? One of the things that, um, you know, pricked my ears up when you mentioned it was around gratitude. So talk to me about you know, why that's important to you and, and your business? Well, I'm human. You're human. And when people, you know, there's 19,000 brokers, resi brokers. And, you know, if I use this example, Ross, you're one of 19,000. These customers could have chosen anyone, but they chose you. And you don't have time after the end of the the transaction to say thank you. And so what, what we did in COVID, COVID changed, you know, before COVID, I was a machine. More, more, chasing, more, maxed. Then COVID was the forced break. I don't know if I can just say people needed, humans needed, the, the planet, the planet healed, people healed. I don't know. For me, I I healed and I sort of thought, you know, less is more. Mm. I've got to be grateful for what we have, what I have, and not just wanting more. Mm. Sat back and it was a good, good break. And then to, to still reach out to my team and brokers, I said, how can I touch them? They're, they're at home. How can I let them know, you know, I'm still thinking of you and so we started a thank you department or a formalized gratitude process. And in COVID, we just started booking meals, sending donuts and booking meals. So you could be in Melbourne and I'd say, mate, what do you and the family want this Friday night? And what's your local pizza? And then they'd send the email. Someone from the thank you team would order it online, pay for it and get it delivered. And we'd send a meal. And we started doing up to 20 to 30 a week. Just that gesture, $50, $60. We had people ringing up and just saying, why do you, that means a lot. You know, I was having a shit week. I'm really down. And you could hear the tears. Mm. Just giving starts the receiving. Good gestures. Then when we came back, we set up a thank you department. Where, and thank you should be processed a must and it should be done on its own everyone is in a hurry to write lots of loans step back and build your business one customer at a time go through when it settles don't ring up i'll give you an example ross and you tell me if this is a thank you hey ross uh, it's sean from paramount i'm just ringing to say thank you you know we really appreciate doing your loan and getting you in your home uh, and by the way ross uh, my business works on referrals and um, if you can send anyone. Is that a thank you? No. 
half of it was, and then I contaminated it with some bullshit. You can ask for business without asking for business. Hmm. And I'll show you how. Ross, I'm just ringing to say we're very grateful that we were able to serve you and your family and get you into your home. And I just wanted to really say thank you. And we want to shout you and the family dinner, Ross. Um, someone from our thank you team is going to ring and get your order, but that's separate. But I just really wanted to let you know I'm grateful that I was able to serve you and your family. So all the best. I wish you the best in your new home. And we'll speak to you soon. Bye. You can ask for business without asking for business. Mm. Doing a good gesture will uh, does its own magic rather than actually verbalising. Because people then think, oh, this guy's not ringing to say thank you. He's ringing to ask for business. Mm. And the same is apologising, saying I'm sorry. Sorry and thank you should be done on their own and let them do their magic. Mm. Then there's another time, there's a different time to ring up and ask for business. Don't contaminate. Mm. Yeah, the thing about point. saying thank you is it's about not taking things for granted and being truly grateful. Anytime anyone does anything for you, your business, your family, that's a benefit to all of them. Everyone is quick to take and slow to say thank you. Mm. But if you're as quick to say thank you as you are on the take, things you'll never want for anything. You'll have an abundance of whatever you want. So just be quick to say thank you to your referrers that you haven't taken to lunch for ages, those existing clients that refer your clients. Keep rewarding and saying thank you. Brokers, I did a speech once at the MFAA and some of the brokers yelled out, I don't have time, can't afford it. And some said, I used to do it, but the results weren't quick enough. Mm. The thing about saying thank you or spending any money, I believe spend money mm. where people have ser you've served them and they used you, spend money. Now, when do you think Ross brokers want to see the return? Like straight away. It doesn't work that way. It doesn't work when you want it to. Do you know when it works? When you need it. Mm. And that's how doing good deeds, I don't ask, I don't understand how the universe works, but I know that do good shit and good shit comes back, not when you want it, but when you need it. Yeah, interesting. Yeah, I mean, so many good points around that because, you know, and probably from myself and you know i've probably heard different trainings and probably even spoken to you know some of my clients about you know the opportunities to ask for referrals at the point when someone is most grateful right the whole law of reciprocity um so what you're saying sort of goes in the the face of that um but i love it no right? i'm not saying don't ask but i'm yeah. saying there's an appropriate time to ask yeah and don't mix it with a thank you. Yeah. So it's not at the Maximize time. Maximize the gratitude. Going. Maximize the feeling of gratitude yeah. and let it be all about the gratitude. Don't yeah. contaminate it. There's yeah. time, plenty of other time to ask for business. Yeah. So there, there is. So we're not saying don't ask. We, what we're saying is use those moments of power 
where that's going to create a real emotion and we don't want it to, you know, to be clouded at all because, you know, it, it generally is. Life is about timing, Ross, hmm. right? When you asked your missus out, right, you didn't say, I want to take you out and then I want to take you to dinner and then let's go and have some funny business. Hmm. That same way when you are, you had to pick the right time to ask her out and you don't contaminate there's timing for every good thing in life mm. there's a time and a place don't because we're in a rush think i'm ringing to say thank you i better ask for deals as well like that's the last opportunity mm. there's timing in all key relationships and unless you view your existing borrower as a key relationship and when you treat it as such it's it, you'll still get you still yeah yeah love it i love when you, it. When you go to the life is about finding yeah what, what's coming to me in all this sort of conversation about giving and gratitude is you know i was in india um and i was on the the sort of the banks of the varanasi river and um one of the guide was talking about charity and talking about giving and you know obviously in india there's a lot of sort of poverty and you know the conversation came up around giving and you know what stuck to me with this this guy, and obviously you know he wasn't um, the wealthiest of characters himself. But you know one of the things that he said is, well, whatever you give, just make sure you're giving it from the heart, right? So and it, it doesn't come down to the amount or to the. And I think from what you're saying, it's there's got to be that heart behind whatever you do. So it doesn't matter if it's a meal or if it's a, a bunch of flowers, as long as it's coming from the right place. And I think, you know, probably sometimes why these generic settlement gifts don't work is because they don't feel authentic, right? You know, if you get the... Yeah. Generic. Yeah. Don't do it generic. Yeah. Custom. Customize. Yeah. Mm. yeah. Yeah. So, I mean, I think a lot we, of great... We did a thank you gift for one broker. We customised it. Mm. And I, there was one, I've got to share this one with you. You've got to customise it. We sent out an autographed Collingwood jersey once. We bought tickets to Dolph whale watching, tickets to the Australia Zoo. We asked them on their second or third. The first one we sent something generic. It's a gift box we custom make with the broker on FaceTime. We custom, they choose what goes in there. Second settlement, we say, where do you want to go? Where's a restaurant? Cafe Sydney or Crown Casino. We let them choose it. Customization. The thing that you were talking about, the 13 features with Wizard, yeah. customization. Mm. Yeah. You've got to listen. 80% of salespeople don't succeed because they show up and throw up. Mm. you got to let the customer do 80% of the talking because when they're talking, they're providing you with answers. Definitely. So good. So good. Just um, one more thing just before we sort of close out. And again, you know, it's probably how we reconnected at the SFG sort of PD day a couple of years back. And um how we connected, I was doing a presentation at that conference and you got me on video. And I thought, oh, this is something different. I haven't seen this at a, a PD day, but 
you know, you used video and then um, you gave me a gift and you sent them and I obviously use those in, um, you know, social media promotions and stuff. But, you know, talk to me about the use of video in your business and why that's been important to you. I was scared shitless. I was scared shitless getting on video. But then, you know, if all of us are to grow, we've got to face different fears because it's all, we've all got businesses which are linked to the capacity of our thinking. Mm. My business is linked to what goes on here, same. And um, the king of in our industry of videos is Mark Buros. So when I first started, I thought, you know what, is there a place for another guy? And, of course, there is. Um, and then when I started, I compared myself to him and I got it made me feel down. So I had a couple of young men work for me, 20-year-olds. And don't be afraid to take lessons from any age. You know, there's a saying, be a sponge, not a rock. And the young guys would say, just come on. Why do you have a, have a crack? So we sat down and they said, and we just worked out, who, who am I? So don't try to be anybody else in these videos, right? You've got to just find out who you are. So... I said, who am I? I like to take the piss out of myself. I like to have a laugh, educate, motivate, inspire, and generate work. Mm. So then I realized they are the ingredients for every video I do. And I'm not funny or anything. So I thought interviewing will allow me to get the good out of everyone else and share that. So you've got to work have a good honest conversation with yourself you got to like yourself uh, and if you don't you got to fall back in love with yourself you've got to enjoy your own company that's you got to back yourself and put rip if you feel talk to yourself you got to really talk to yourself because if you can feel feel fear coming in replace it with courage and just go for it and you know great things happen when you do it mm. And so, how long ago did Since you? We've done it. Business. How long, how long ago did you introduce video into the business? When I turned fifty, I started to do these invitations, special invitations, and I hired this video guy, and um, he did my videos for my fiftieth. The invites, and they were classic. He put our faces on monkeys and gorillas, and we. I did one invite in the four weeks leading up to build hype for my fiftieth, and then I kept him on. And um, then we just started doing vi videos tell a great story. They shine a light on like you, Ross. All the goodness that you have, you can't keep it behind, keep it a secret. And people, the generation today have this. Mm. They can make a billion dollars, a million dollars just from this. Mm. They don't have to have anything else. Camera, video, Insta, OnlyFans, whatever it is they do and get comfortable with videos, they'll do good things, but be your true self. Love it. Love it. Be your true self. And I think that's a great sort of message. Good, bad, ugly. Some of them on you follow on social swear like demons. Yeah. And are killing it yeah. because that's who they are. And people yeah. still love it. I know it's politically, but people still love authenticity. And if you've got to swear, fuck it. Yeah, fuck it. Delete that. Um, 
Yeah. And um, no, nah, it's not getting deleted. Uh, so in terms of, um, you know, the question that I ask everyone on closing, right? If you've got a tip for a broker that's looking to scale, looking to really take his business to the next level, what's one piece of advice that you would give to them? Think big and go back and say thank you to those that you haven't and just say thank you to every referrer and customer from here on in and watch what it does to your business. Love That's it. the type of people people want to do business with. Love that. And again, you know, I've taken a lot from this. Uh, you know, one of the things that I'm definitely going to take away is, you know, just that gratitude. I think, you know, we've all have times where, you know, we become a little bit complacent and I, and, and I think, you know, success sometimes, you know, breeds complacency. And, well said. And so I think, you know, it's time. Why do I need to change it? I'm doing really well. Exactly. Yeah, but you could be doing way better, exactly. easier. Exactly. And I think, you know, from from the, the takeaways that I've got, you know, from the comment from John Simons around, hey, we're in the business of people, um, that theme of gratitude and, you know, how we can really make that authentic and from the heart. And I think, you know, that pretty much encapsulates what I've seen of you, Whitey, over the last um, bit and why, again, you are loved within the industry because, yeah, you genuinely do. Your giving, as I mentioned, is from the heart and it shows up and, you know, it's it's been a reason why you've been so successful and, as you said, done over $4 billion worth of business. Hey, Ross, can I ask you one question? Yeah, sure. I'll leave you with this. You know those... Indians on the side of the river. Yeah. Do you reckon they love people or love money? The uh, poor ones. A the peer, poor. Yeah. A peer poor. They yeah. just don't I mean, have the material yeah, thing. Yeah, I think yeah, the the they get they're happy regardless of their material um wealth. So I think, you know, whilst you know they have still have basic needs. Um, their happiness doesn't come from external, right? It comes from within and they're some of the happiest people that you've ever seen. Um, and which just shows you, right? We, we have all these excesses, these big houses and, um, you know, we're still, you know, have that underlying anxiety and, you know, are searching for happiness when, you know, I think a lot of them already have it. They know and, you know, it comes from within, and so that was a big takeaway from my travels in you know, Nepal and India was, you know, these people would have so little but give so much. Uh, and, you know, yeah, it just shows that. Uh, They'll yeah. feed you. Yeah. Yeah. One thing we live by is not to love money and use people, but to love people and use money. Mm, love it. Love money. Sorry and, to hijack you. Yeah, no, definitely. And uh, on that note, that's a, a great love. Love people and use money. Um, it's Not great use people and love money. What was it? Not use people and love money. Yeah, beautiful. Beautiful. On that note, um, <laughs> this has been another yeah awesome episode of the Billion Dollar Broker podcast. I'd like to thank Sean White, the Managing Director 
of Paramount Mortgages. If people want to get in touch with you, Sean, how do they get in touch with you? Paramount Mortgages, one 399 We're here to serve. And if we can't help you, we'll tell you where to, where to try. Awesome. Awesome. And if you want to get in contact with me and the Billion Dollar Broker, there's a couple of ways that you can do. One, subscribe to the podcast. It's on all your favorite podcast channels. Secondly, we've got a Facebook group called uh, The Billion Dollar Broker for Mortgage Brokers. So jump on that if you're not already a part of it. And thirdly, if you want to jump on one of our coaching programs, go to thebilliondollarbroker.com.au and uh, fill out the contact me and we'll look forward to getting in contact and seeing how we help. Until next time, I'll see you soon. Thanks.